pastor has been bringing us through life skills over the past few weeks, uh, months. Um, I, I've heard my dad preach kind of my entire life um, that I can remember. Um, so it's not, I've prayed about all week how to say this because I don't want it, to come, want it to come across that I don't listen to our pastor but I, but I analyze, I, I, I know our pastor well enough to where I can see where he's going with the message. And then it allows me to dig deeper. Um, uh, it's to me, it's a blessing to me. It helps me learn to, for me, it's a mentorship while he's preaching to other people as well. Um, but again, I listen to our pastor. All right. (laughs) Um, I wanted to play off that life skills series just a little bit simply because I believe as a universal body of believers, as a group of believers, there's just things that are slightly off. If you know, if you can catch my drift, there's been recently over the past probably six months, there have been some very public meltdowns of these famous churches, of these big uh, mega churches. We see people all, you know, I, I, I talk to people constantly and, and, you know, it just seems like theology and doctrine sometimes can get distorted and not, not to a point where they don't know what they believe, but they don't know how to apply what they believe. And, and to me, if I'm just being honest with you, I believe that's a problem. If we don't know how to apply what we believe correctly, how can we expect to reach a world correctly? How can we expect to see others come into our church, come into our churches, and see valid life-changing decisions being made that stay? It's, It's kind of baffling and almost to a point mind-numbing sometimes when you see the carefree attitude within the church, the the lack of, I guess, for lack of better words to say, structure that we allow our Christian lives, our personal lives, to be lived by simply because we don't know how to apply knowledge or we don't know how we we don't know that we have the knowledge. Um, understanding the basics to me something that probably seems seems simple for us to grasp and oh you know uh, I know the basics I you know I'm here with the basics but deep down inside I believe it's something that even if you're somebody that is solid in your Christian walk and you're perfect in every way and you have no need to grow in your faith this is something that can apply okay and that's a joke because no, nobody's perfect. Um, I believe a host of Christians out there today see the problem as well, but don't know where to go to find a solution. I believe the tools that are given to us are given to us for threefold, to grow individually, to serve unified, and to reach properly. I believe those, those three tools can be taken for granted. The effect of that decision is then twofold. The world we are trying to reach is affected not by hearing the word or hear, uh, is 
Let me restart that one. The world we are trying to reach is affected because they're not hearing the word or they're hearing it improperly. We're seeing a crash, as I spoke of, we're seeing a crash of popular churches. I had sent a message out to um, a few people, Mary, Mary's here and I, she's in eyesight so I can point her out, um, uh, about one of the largest churches in the world that's all over the world had a documentary made about their crash, had a documentary about their, their church and, and where, where it went wrong. And at the end of the day, it was because we look at a church for the, we look at the church for reasons in ways that we shouldn't. The church is not here for your entertainment. The church is not here so you can feel better on Sunday knowing Monday through Saturday is going to be a complete disaster of a Christian walk with God. It's just not. When we do that, we then to see, we then begin to look at our church as a business rather than an eternal kingdom difference maker. What I, what I hope to go through with the next two weeks uh, is just understanding the basics, looking at what the Bible says about things that are basic about our faith. Um, what I, What's really thrown me off right now, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to stop real quick, is that this side is so overloaded. (laughs) Hey guys, but there's beautiful faces over here too. Um, But what I want to do this week and next week is speak to the importance in the basics of our faith, why they matter uh, more than, and why they deserve more than just a glance why they deserve our everyday attention. Uh, I don't know about you. Yesterday, I got to experience a tax-free weekend at Apple for the first time. And uh, as awesome and as quick as my day flew by, um, I'm rather excited to have today off. Um, but, but I believe, and one of the things they stressed in, in one of our store meetings was, you have to pay attention to the details and you have to prepare yourself. They said, on a day like today, you have to go through and you have to have a structure set out in your own mind. It may be different than the person standing next to you, but when you have that structure set out, it stops you from selling out a phone and activating it and charging them the tax and it being a three and a half hour fix. In the industry, they call that a waste of time. How many times, if we flip that over to the church, do we worry about the wrong things, don't have the proper structure in place, and then we find ourselves fixing mistakes that shouldn't been there and doing what? Wasting our time. I believe these basics, when you look at the six, the six uh, topics I, I, I've prayed about, and I can promise you this, I text uh, Jonathan and, and, uh, Jamil and, and pastor and Wednesday, I had everything done. I was like, yes, early. And I went to go to bed and I found a new song. That's amazing. If you want it, I'll send it to you. I've sent it to like 15 people already. Um, and God just started tugging and tugging and tugging and tugging. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll preach on something different. 
Um, so the whole thing took like just a different structure, uh, took a different turn. But I wanna stop and pause before we get into our title scripture, our, our, our focus, and I wanna say this. Before we dig into the word of God, I need everybody in this room, everybody online, everybody that may hear this throughout the week to understand this. If you do not know Jesus as your personal savior, if you do not have a personal intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and he is, your Lord, he is not your Lord and savior, then what we talk about here is going to render useless. The most important thing and the most basic thing as Christians we need to understand and believe without any shadow of a doubt is that John 3, 16 and 17 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who does not believe in him or whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. The Bible also says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus that he has been raised from the dead, you will be saved. All of this all of the Transylvania chandeliers, all the nice lights against the wall, all the wood, all the lyrics that we sing, all the scripture that you hear will render your life useless if you never surrender to the loving grace of Jesus Christ. If you've never recognized these lights before, you're welcome. Um, I just looked over here and I was like, somebody was like, oh yeah, you're right. I was like, eh, you know. The goal of our life is not to bring notoriety to ourselves. The Bible also says, for I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It's not I, but Christ that lives within me. And the life that I now live is not for me, but it's of the one who gave himself for me. See, what we do is we, we instead of evangelizing, which is a fancy four-syllable word, it's not, but I just made that up to sound cool. Um, when we, when we try, instead of evangelizing the lost, we try and hold them to the standard that we are to hold ourselves to. See, the key there isn't saying, well, your life is a total wreck. You, you, you're a horrible person. It's saying <laughs> exactly what Aylan said. Hey, at your darkest moments in the light, in the moments where your life is absolutely rock bottom, six feet below rock bottom, and you don't know where to go. Jesus still loves you. I, I talked with a pastor. I, we, we've got a young couple over here. I don't mean to point him out that I met at Apple. Um, a manager came to me after they left. They waited. If you, I don't mean to embarrass you guys, but if you ever want to know why God intends certain things, tax-free weekend, it's like a 45-minute wait to get into the Apple store. And, and this young couple came in just to turn a phone in, had no trade-in value, had nothing. And they just happened to get me as, as a uh, sales rep person and A, I don't shut up, so church is gonna come up eventually, as many of you that have come to the church through my, uh, you know, my outside jobs have found out. But I find it not fortuitous, I find it godlike that sometimes people searching for a church can find their church, can find their home through others. That was a good burp. <laughs> that was very alien-like. Um, it's the same as 12 years ago, a nail tech that played piano at our church, doing someone's nails and talking about church, 
five years before that had found us by getting off the plane at Vietnam and going into CVS and saying, I need a church. And, find, and the person she was talking to came to New Life. It unfolds when you yield yourself to God. So when we look at this, understand that the effect isn't just for us. Yes, we need to grow. Yes, we as individuals need to study our Bible, learn how to uh, learn how to pray. If I'm being honest, we need to learn how to attend church regularly. When we look at this, it doesn't do you a bit of God if you haven't said, for I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. God, I can't have me, but I need you to live within me. So the life that I now live is not for me. I can promise you this, Zach Chase living on his own without Jesus and the saving grace of Jesus is a, is a hopeless wreck, horrible, awful human being. So, sometimes even with God. <laughs> when we surrender, when we know how to apply the basics to our lives, it changes. It changes everything. We're going to begin by looking at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. When, you, when we look at this passage of Scripture, um, my version Bible, the, you know, my uh, couple different versions uh, of the Bible I look at, Matthew chapter 6, uh, our focal point is verse 33, but our, we're going to look through, we're going to start at verse 25. This whole portion of Matthew chapter 6, you ready for this, is titled, the cure for anxiety. Anybody else emotionally erect 99% of the time? <laughs> Husbands raising your wife's hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things I learned not to do early within a decade of my marriage. Um, I'm just joking. Um, verse 25 says this, therefore I tell you, Jesus speaking, if you have a red letter edition, Jesus is saying these words, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will, what you will wear. Um, isn't, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can you, uh, can any of you add one moment of his or her lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about your clothes? Observe, uh, observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was, was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in, uh, in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. Whoops. So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 33, but seek ye first or seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? And then all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own. Let's pray real quick. God, as we dig in, as we dig into what you have 
laid on my heart, God, I pray that you'll eliminate Zach Chase, that, that the words that flow through my mouth will simply be yours. God, I pray that the words that are received, that the minds that are open and the hearts that are open will receive what needs to be heard and applied what needs to be heard. God, I love you. I thank you so much for new life. I thank you so much for this local body and what we do. I pray that we will continue to strive and do amazing things for Jesus, uh, uh, for your kingdom, for, for the kingdom that you've uh, died on a cross to, to enlarge any chance you, we can by seeing more, uh, more and more saved. We love you so much, Jesus' name, amen. As we dig in, the first thing I look at is what is the most basic way to learn? Studying your Bible, right? One of the most basics about learning about how to grow, about what to do, where to go, what your purpose is, what purpose means as a Christian, what's the difference between purpose and what's the difference between uh, you know, selfishness. I look at studying your Bible. Now, I ask this question. Do you study your Bible? or do you read your Bible? I, I would like to use probably the, the biggest book reader I've ever known in my life, and that's my Aunt Donna, um, as an example. Um, and if I gave her a microphone, um, I, would, I would ask her this, is there a difference between the books you read and the Bible you study? Right? We're not, I, I, I <gasps> Gasp, get ready for this analogy. We don't, uh, we don't reread the Harry Potter books. Or we don't study the Bible the same way we reread the Harry Potter books to point the problems out in the movies, what didn't translate. We don't study our Bible to look at other fellow Christians and say, well, you're six foot seven, dude. You're, you know, that's ungodly. You got to find a way to shrink your height there, Sean. My job in studying the Bible is to grow, is to seek. We're going to look at not the, 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 the typical, if I brought our, any, anybody who's studied your Bible, what's the first verse that comes to mind that we're not going to look at today? Study to show yourself approved, right? We're going to dig a little bit deeper. We're going to look a little bit further than just the surface of our faith, which is how we understand the basics. So when we study our Bible, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, verse 12. First of all, it says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. What that means, if you dig in, it says the word of God show us how, shows us how to live spiritually and hold this verse up. And it says, um, it, it says, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit from what? Our human physical body. It shows us that the way we're supposed to live, and, and I joked around about this comment a little bit this morning with a couple people about what I was preaching on, is that our, our human emotional feelings, if, doesn't, if it, as believers, if it doesn't line up scripturally, guess what? Rings invalid. And if I'm being honest, needs to change, right? Our, our human emotions, oh man, this, this person brought three dozen donuts in and I was number, was number 37 and I didn't get one. I'm so mad. I'm not even going to invite him to my birthday party anymore. That, 
our human emotions can, can bring us all the, down, down this road, down, the, down these fields of, of, of weeds and thorns and grass that makes no, no human, no spiritual difference, no eternal difference in our lives. And why? Because we veered off the path and trust our own emotions instead of trusting the word of God. Some of us don't trust the word of God or, or don't put our full trust in the word of God because we're afraid of saying that we were wrong, of saying that what we believed, how we viewed things, the, the, way we, the, the way we view maybe the differences between the way we view our last two presidents. I don't know, that seems to be a, a, a hot topic on, our, on Facebook every single day for the last five and a half years. Um, I just wish it would end um, at some point. But, but let me be honest with you, when it comes to people dying and going to hell, what's the ratio of your presidential posts as opposed to your Jesus posts? What's the source of your arguments? Jesus loves you and you need him as your savior? Or pff, you're a Democrat or a Republican or you're a green or yellow or maroon party? I don't know how many different parties they have now. <laughs> oh, you, I, it pales in comparison, Christian. It pales in comparison, believer in Jesus. The word of God studying the Bible is supposed to separate what's important as to what's not important. What's temporary as to what's eternal. You, <laughs> we'll move on because I, I don't get stuff things. Anybody else, the type where if something doesn't sit in logically to you, you could just talk about it for three and a half hours at, at a time? And then keep on, never mind. Studying your Bible. Then let's flip over to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in the past was written for instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance, and this, this is key. This, this verse, for whatever was written in the past, was written for our instruction. Now, studying your Bible, you can look at that and be like, oh man, what that means is the Bible's gonna tell me how to live. Okay, well, the Bible just, th this verse just talked about endurance. How do we create endurance? Who gives endurance? See, when you study your Bible, you, <laughs> you, you look at the next verse and it says, now may the God who gives endurance. <laughs> It's not about you. We, how many times have we said that in the past 18 months? It's not about you. It's not about you. I'm a firm believer that if you hear the same thing over and over and over and over, based on scripture, God's trying to tell you something. It's not about you. You cannot give yourself enough endurance to get through life functionally and eternally the way God has called you to do. The God who gives endurance says, I have given you the, the holy, inspired, inerrant word of God for instruction. We then look at Proverbs 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not abandon wisdom, 
and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme. <laughs> My CSB, if you're reading from the CSB, that I, I, or see it on here, I love what this says here. So get wisdom. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> That's my type of language right there. Just tell me what I need to do. Get wisdom. You can't get wisdom by reading, a, by reading your Bible and putting it on the shelf while life, excuse the language, sucks. And then once your problem's fixed, everything you've built up to and the kingdom difference you've made while you're struggling to get back to where God has called you is put back on the shelf to collect dust. Studying the Bible isn't a, oh, let's move on to the next Tom Clancy series or, you know, J.K. Rowling, oh, time to reread Lord of the Rings. When you finish, you never finish studying your Bible. When you finish reading your Bible, you start back over automatically. It should be your first priority. I've always asked this question. I've always heard, my youth pastors, I, I had a decent amount in high school, say, you got to read your Bible. Well, why? We've just pre presented evidence that maybe you've heard for the first time as a Christian. My response to that is, that's why. <laughs> because you will constantly learn things that you need to give. Studying your Bible teaches you structure. It gives you confidence. It speaks hope. Anybody, even in this minute, needs hope spoken to them? <laughs> yeah? Oh, my goodness. It gives real-life experiences, and it builds a foundation in which to follow. It gives wisdom, and it teaches you how to properly use that wisdom. And it teaches you how to, how to live out loud with that wisdom. Christian, let me say this. You can study your Bible and you can gain all the wisdom you want, but wisdom without action renders a useless life for Jesus Christ. I've seen, I, I've seen many individuals, and I, I'm, just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna speak boldly because I'll be honest, I've gotta have a filter at my new job and it just, it's overloaded right now. I need one of those like pool filter changing things. Um, Christian, new life, guard, guard your heart. We've had people, uh, our, our pastor just celebrated 20 years July 7th at, at New Life as our senior pastor. In that time that I've been blessed to serve alongside him, I've seen many people come through. Oh, yeah. here's, here's my resume. This is what I've done. This is, uh, you know, this is where, I, this, is, this is my life. Okay, well, well, show me. Show, here, we, here, do, serve. Oh, well, well, uh, no, this, uh, no, before I do that, it has to be this way. The church has to have this look or feel. You, you guys have to preach that. You know what, pastor? I just don't feel in my mind and heart that your sermons are being preached the right way. So what I would like to do is for you to give me the preaching. And it all start, I, I, 20 years. It's not just once. You could talk to a man back here that just keeps on keeping on. 
Is, the, is that politically correct way to say it, Aunt Donna? Yeah, she's chuckling a little bit. So uh, I know I'm on the right path. Uh, we know where we're going with it. How many times has he, has he been through that? How many, how many churches have you been through where you've seen it? Oh, well, my way of doing things is better. Well, you know what? God hasn't called a church to do it your way. He's called to do it God's way. And he's given us a leader, a pastor to follow. And if we cling to that vision that God has given him, and instead of rebuilding the house and tearing down the framework, say, hey, pastor, is it okay that I, that I put, <laughs> that I name my youth group the core and put up a, uh, uh, the middle of a volcano with lava overflowing on rocks, even though I know it's going to speak, uh, speak weirdly and sit weirdly as I did 20 years ago in our youth room. And it's gonna, it's gonna rub some uh, people that were, uh, had a few years on me the wrong way. But then in our first five years of our youth ministry saw a hundred teenagers come to Christ. Is that okay if I do that? I will work within the confines of your ministry, but I literally just want to paint the walls a little bit different. Spiritually, Christian, you don't need to go redefine the Bible. The Bible has the framework. Now, Cliff's, Cliff's house may be painted and have a little bit different siding than mine, spiritually speaking. But at the framework, at, down, down to the foundation of our, uh, of our house, of our spiritual house, that is supposed to be built on a rock, a solid foundation. We tear it down and say, my beachfront view, my dream for my life is so much better. And I can sustain it on my own. I don't need to study my Bible because phew, I listen to the pastor once every six weeks. I listened to 10 minutes of that sermon on Facebook Live, and then I went and checked, oh, somebody alert, you know, somebody commented on my status from Tuesday. I got to go check that. Tune back in. Do you see why you need to study the Bible? Because without it, you can't even pay attention to a full sermon. You can't even pay attention to what God has commanded us to do when we meet. And believe me, that's the most difficult part of the sermon, so I saved that for the last, if there's anybody left. Um, but Christian, our job is to study the Bible so that we can understand how God wants us to paint our house because it's already built for us. It was built for us the minute Jesus said yes to stepping down off his throne from heaven and making himself like us, living a life for 33 years and then carrying that cross all the way to Calvary and hanging and dying for me. I get emotional about it because I'm unworthy of it. I believe that sacrifice is greater than myself. It's not meant for me to bottle up. You can, in 20 years, I'm, I, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying, I'm, I feel so indebted to my Savior that as I've had the privilege to work outside this church. I've seen people flood into this church from those jobs that God has blessed me with. When you live your faith loudly and boldly and you know how to live correctly, you make a difference. Your life matters. 
You don't have to worry about 15 minutes of fame standing in a spotlight because you're gonna have an eternity of love and grace and hope surrounded by the people that you made a difference for and that you were that difference. Talk to those people who grew up sexually abused, physically abused, mentally abused, mistreated, unloved, and say, this person stepped in and showed me the love of God. That matters. You don't have to do it on your terms, and you're called not to do it on your terms. That is why studying your Bible is important. The next one is a big one. Some people find it weird. I actually had to take a blitz class at Bible school um, for two weeks about this, and it's talking to God. I had to take a class from a missionary that was a missionary in China where he said, when I'm in China, I'm not allowed to say I'm praying. I have to say I'm talking to God. And my final for that class, I literally had to pr pray for five minutes in front of all these people, but having a normal conversation. I couldn't use the words God, Jesus, um, Bible, my faith, in fear that when he's over there, somebody heard him, he was dead. He was put in jail, whatever. Talking to God is one of the most essential pieces of our faith. How do you get personal with somebody if you just never talk to them? I've got a friend that, single, nothing wrong with it, but every now and again is like, I don't know why I just never, never have a girlfriend or a date. I'm like, well, when's the last time you talked to a girl? Well, you know, I, I gave this girl her receipt and was like, have a nice day. It was like, oh, did you say, hey, you're, you're gorgeous. Can, you, can I take you out to dinner? You know, no, I can't do that. Well, that's why you're single. Right, right, yeah, guy, yeah. And it, you know, I, yeah, you didn't have a prom date, why? Because I didn't ask anyone, I had to take my mom. You know, not me, but. <laughs> Well, turns out, I, ah, that's, that would have been a funny joke. <laughs> you guys want to hear it? Yeah, turns out I could have taken my stepmom because she's closer to my age than my dad's. Um, yeah, anybody? Yeah? No? Okay. Woo! Now, the... <laughs> Now, this is a cool challenge. I get to rein you guys all back in and talk more about the sermon. Oh, man, can we delete this off Facebook? Um, <laughs> nope. Uh, talking to God. Talking to God. Why is talking to God important? Because how are you going to know your purpose? How are you going to be at peace? How are you going to find your journey? How are you going to know whether what you're doing is right or wrong or good or bad? Or how is that feeling of conviction to say no to that, you know, that as our, as our pastor says so frequently, that blueberry or apple pie that we need to buy at, you know, buy at uh, Big Y, how do we know which is the right decision to make if we're not talking to the one that wants to guide us in a way to make the right decisions? First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, or 16 through 18. I now don't know how I feel about that joke. I feel like our pastor had his hip replaced so he can beat me up again. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, 16 through 18 says, rejoice always. 17 says, pray constantly. Give thanks in everything for God, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. I learned long ago, as opposed to the joke I just told, not to trust my gut. <laughs> when he says rejoice always and then pray constantly, Paul then says, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you. Definition of everything, Christian? Good, bad, happy, sad, ugly, pretty, shiny, dark, hurt, not hurt. Christian, when, when we pray constantly, we see the direction that God wants us to go. And how many times when you've seen that direction, did you then look at yourself and be like, whoa, I was way off the mark. Whoa, I avoided those, con those giant consequences. I got a laugh from the whole room, but there was one person that wasn't laughing and going to, you know, you know, going to stay up on stage for a little bit after the sermon. Test all things. Do you know it's okay to test God in prayer? God, I really want this. God, I, I really want this job. I, 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 really, I really think like this, this would enhance it. Can you give me the opportunity? Man, he gives you the opportunity. Five and a half years I endured at Xfinity. I made a lot of relationships there. I, made, you know, I had a lot of good times, met a lot of people, was able to help out a lot of people. I interviewed for a, for a whole lot of jobs while I was there. Whole lot of jobs. God, if you give me this opportunity, can you just tell me? whether or not it would have worked, whether it'll work out or it's a good fit. One of the, one of the best examples I, I kind of chuckle at was uh, Ben and Amber John, who uh, used to go here, who's now in Minnesota. Ben was a marketing content director for Smith & Wesson. And uh, he texted me one day, was like, hey, there's this position open in my department I want you to apply for. And I was like, what? <laughs> And an opportunity presented itself, do some social media work. And I was just like, hey man, you know those pictures I post on our Instagram and Facebook? I don't take those. So I, <laughs> I don't know, like I don't own a gun, I don't know. So I went through, I, I, I prayed and I said, God, if this is your will and this is a door open, let me walk through it. Interviewed once, knew within about 13 seconds that I was like, nope, nope, this isn't for me. But then listening to the voice of God, instead of trying to force it, we all, we're all local to Smith & Wesson. What happened about probably six months after I interviewed with them? Hey, we're moving to Tennessee. Yep. All these people would have gotten fired, and guess who would have been number one on that list? The guy who was applying for a job that he had no business applying for. When you talk to God... He gives you direction. He'll give you opportunities that you see, but then he'll give you the warning signs or the go for those opportunities, Christian. God, man, I'm struggling this morning on my way to work. I know it's, I didn't sleep well last night. I know this is gonna be a struggle, God. Can you just 
help me avoid situations that I know I'm going to take the bait on because I'm tired. First of all, we have somebody on the opposite side of God named Satan that's going to hear that prayer, say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring you into a company that is leading the world in all inclusivity for everything world. And I'm going to sprinkle little opportunities for you, Zach Chase, to uh, get into a debate, have a little conversation, influence that. You know, here, Zach, I saw you let your guard down and made a comment there, and then they came back and asked for clarification a couple times. God, guard my heart from those moments. Guard my heart from those times where I slip up. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. The snowball can build up. It can build up. We've all seen it in the cartoons. Guard your heart. Next, we look at Jeremiah 29, 11. For you, the entire vision will be, be like the words of a sealed document. If it, is given, if it is given to one who can read and he is asked to read it, he will say, I can't read it because it is sealed. And if the document is given to who cannot read and he is asked to read it, he will say, I can't read. That may seem a little weird to you, but how many times do we not know where to go in life? I'm not talking I got lost on the way from my house to... Posto. The direction that God wants us to take sometimes seems sealed and shut to us, right? When we try and do it on our own, when we try and answer that ourselves, uh, uh, sword in the stone movie. I can't take the sword out. God, I don't know what you have planned for me in this next venture in my life or these next steps. I wasn't planning on fill in the blank. But I need you to reveal it to me in your time. Do you know that sometimes God may keep that book sealed? He may say it's not up for you to know. There are questions over 20 years of being here. Why did this person leave? Why did this person come into my life? Why did I, you know, I, I, two of my top three best friends, you know, I lived by one in Missouri, couldn't run away from Missouri fast enough. Uh, the other one came, came to us a couple years ago, um, moved away. I talked to my wife. My wife's best friend lives in Michigan. One of, you know, one of her best friends lives in Michigan. It was like, why do all our friends move away from us? At least they, at least they keep talking to us, you know? <laughs> Sometimes you don't know why things happen. Sometimes you don't know why or where that path is going. Sometimes God will keep that sealed for your own good. Prayer, ready for this? Prayer, I have this written down, so let me say this. Prayer allows us to release our dependency on our faulty, filthy self and lean into a greater dependency that lasts forever. Can we grasp that? Our own, how many times has your life become filthy and dirty because your dependency was on self. 
I, I learned a long time ago. I mean, a long time ago. I South Hadley High Street, if you guys ever visited us over there, that depending on your own logic, that lying about your grades for two weeks and hiding a report card from your parents isn't, <laughs> they're going to find it out. Depending on your own human logic, realistically isn't the way to go. But in that moment, and I have this written down too, we always run back to God, don't we? Why? <laughs> because the person I handed the report card to benches like 550 at the time. <laughs> Why, Christians, when we have our Bible, when we have our voice to raise to God in prayer, in a conversation with him, do we ignore it, misuse it? And by the, word, by the, by the meaning I say misuse is we wait till we think we need it. Instead of realizing that God has said, you always need it. We have the ability to talk to the most trusted accountability partner there is. It lets us speak our fears to the one that can shoulder the burden. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him, not Self, right? Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. How many times have you done something to yourself because you don't care enough about yourself to keep yourself away from harm? There's no shame in saying uh, this quote I posted a while ago. It's okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay. Therapy changes lives. Prayer changes lives. The Bible changes lives. And when you put those three together, <laughs> but let me tell you this, shopping therapy isn't what I'm talking about. Vacation isn't going to get you away from your problems. It's going to delay them. Don't repress, push down. Don't do the LeBron James that, uh, uh. don't repress it's okay to let those feelings out while talking to God. God, I'm at it. We're a uh, youth group. We're finishing up a movie tonight called To Save a Life. A uh, movie came out 12, 13 years ago um, during a big, like there was a lot of uh, bullying. The anti-bullying was coming out. There was a girl in South Hadley who had killed herself. A uh, youth pastor over at LifePoint at the time had bought, I think it was like 2,000 tickets uh, at the Village Common movie theaters and we were blessed to be able to bring our teens over there. And it's a movie legit, like usually once every six months or once a year, I'll show the teens. Um, it's been a while, but we're going through it. And um, <laughs> the, bit, the big thing is, is it's okay to not be okay. Sometimes guys, our lives are dysfunctional and we don't see it and we're okay with it because we're depending on ourselves. In the movie, when you see this, guys, and where we paused last week for a dramatic effect, teenagers cover your ears, um, where, we, uh, where we stopped last week was this guy who had, this teenager who had given his heart to God, surrendered his life to Jesus, then started seeing his parents' marriage fall apart. His girlfriend got pregnant. Uh, friends just disappeared from his life because he gave his heart to God. And he looked at the youth pastor and goes, I, I, I'm going to church, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible. Why is all this crap happening? And, and the pastor looks at him and said, it was always happening. 
You're just now realizing that it's not healthy, that it's not okay. Christian, when you're serious about giving your heart to God, studying your Bible and praying and talking to the one who wants to hear. Uh, parents, you ever, your kid, uh, I, I'm just now getting to the stage and you know I'm sure in about six months there'll be some apologies, but your kids ever just not shut up? Yeah? yeah? Imagine, <laughs> some of you need five hands, some of you need three. So <laughs> Let me ask you this. Can you ever imagine for a minute somebody that's never tired of hearing you? And it's the complete opposite. He thrives. He yearns for it. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to bring your sorrows, your cares, your joys, your happiness, all to him. Yet we neglect it. We take for granted those opportunities. We take for granted those moments that instead of giving glory and, and giving praise to Jesus by talking to him, we look for the self-adulation. We look for the spotlight. And before you know it, the habit you've created is searching for that next spotlight, that next 15 minutes, that next great Facebook post that gets 36 likes and in the Hall of Fame of, of Facebook goes aluminum. when we're fully surrendered to God and we're, we're studying and we're learning and we're growing and we're finding difficulties and we're talking to our Savior, Christian, that 15 minutes doesn't matter because we're building a lifetime of fame for Him. Quickly, lastly, we're gonna look at this last one. This one's gonna sting a little bit, hopefully not too much. Church attendance. Let's pray. I'm just joking. <laughs> so, why does church matter? To some of us, church only matters when life is terrible. Like I said, when we've depended on self and we've mucked up the waters and we need some encouragement and, oh, I lost my job. Oh, my marriage isn't working right. Oh, my finances are out of whack. Oh, my kids, I need a break. Two hours in nursery will, you know. Whew. Why does church matter? My question is why doesn't it matter more to you? Why isn't it, why is it put on a back burner for everything else in your life? Oh man, I just don't understand why my family doesn't come to church with me. Well, it's because you're at another picnic with them on Sunday from the hours of 10 to 12. They don't know you go to church because they don't see you going to church. All they hear are words without actions. I read a quote this past week that says, hell will be filled with people that don't drink, that have never smoked, that have never committed murder, because that's not what it's about. You can try and live as good a life as you can, but what does the Bible said? It's not by works of right doings. I can tell you, for Zach Chase, the bad 
most of the time outweighs the good. My mind. <laughs> a lot gets trapped up in here. We may not say a lot. But remember what the Bible says. What's up here is just as bad as putting it in action. Colossians 3.6. Here's a little break. I always feel like when I read verses and there's that silent pause that somebody's just going to pop up old school, new life, and just start reading them like the sword drills. First one to it gets a lollipop. Um, <laughs> three, six says, because of these, God's wrath, uh, I think that's the wrong verse. Yep, let's skip. Hold on. We're going to jump through. Acts 2.42. The de they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Three big things. A, you don't stop praying just because you're in church. B, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You're supposed to listen to your pastor. You're supposed to listen to what God has laid on his heart. Sometimes, pastor can slip up and make a mistake. If you're listening, you can be like, hey, pastor, can you dig into this a little bit more for me? Because I don't see where this lines up. I know I've said, <laughs> I know I've said my share of wrong things and my, our pastors come and be like, hey, here's some feedback. What you said wasn't what we call in the church biblically accurate. And then you have to print a retraction and, you know, <laughs> send out a newsletter. Then there's fellowship. Men of new life, do you know that our text thread is not the proper form of fellowship with another believer? Back then, the group chat would have been like many owls or birds with the letters written on, and they flew to, you know, Lewis, and it would have flown to Cliff, and and then Cliff would have given the always timely, sarcastic remark that we're all just like, well played, Cliff. Fellowship. Church matters. Do you know if you do your best to make church and God as a commandment a priority, God will make a way. Oh, well work or this or that. I, I can promise you because I know this. There are laws that protect you from that. I've had, I've had the last three jobs I've had, I haven't had to worry about it. Fellowship is important. Human interaction is important. We weren't made for COVID type lifestyle. Although with my facial expressions, the mask, you know, did a lot of good for me. Christian, church matters, how else? We'll look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, and then we'll close out. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in the faith 
and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christfulness. Our pastor clings biblically to what we preach, what we talk about. We have very, uh, Mary and, and Elvin have, uh, have found out as they've chosen new songs and, and our praise team, quite frankly, has, has learned at times why we don't sing specific songs, why there are songs that we don't let into our church because we're not just gonna be like, oh, the Q puts it on there. Oh, it must be biblically correct. No slam on them. <laughs> Nationwide K-Love, oh, it's gotta be biblically sound. We care about what we present. When we equip the saints, when we equip the fellow believers, we wanna do it in truth here. Sometimes standing on a truth means there's a few chairs empty. But don't grow weary because in due time, you will reap eternal rewards and see lives change. I talked to uh, Jeff Jackson. He spoke at my uh, ordination uh, service. He's my junior high youth pastor. Great respect, great love for Jeff. Uh, lives down in Kentucky. One of those crazy moments when they had that big flood a couple weeks ago. I called him to make sure he was okay, and he just didn't answer for two weeks. And I was like, oh. And turns out that he doesn't use an iPhone, so his phone is terrible. And uh, he... Uh, um, <laughs> and his phone had just broken. But we talked and he was like, hey, hold on one second. And he came back on the phone and goes, dude, you gotta get excited about this. My wife just walked through the door and told me that she led our two nieces to Jesus. He goes, I needed that. Sometimes as believers, life is so draining, life is so tiring that when you come to church, it doesn't even have to be, oh, I invited, I invited Kate to church and then Kate, her kids, she, you know, she had two kids and her kids got saved and I got to baptize. Sometimes it's not even about seeing that, it being a part of that. Sometimes you can look from a distance and be like, oh, these kids got saved? Oh man, the teenagers by, <laughs> by the end of a four hour car wash now know how to wash a car properly. Um, it was the most baffling, confusing 15 minutes of my life. Why are you rubbing the same spot over and over and over? <laughs> Don't pick up that rock-filled cloth off the ground and wash that beamer with it. Don't do it. <laughs> Christian, church matters. It has to be a priority. It has to be a priority. When we say, I don't need it, we're saying I can fulfill that void in my life and do whatever is necessary to fulfill that void. Vacations happen. It's okay. We need to rest, right? Everybody's got a, a break is okay. But when you continue and make it a habit not to show up because X, Y, Z, you, you filled your month with the alphabet of things to do. And then you look at your schedule and say, well, I have no time for church. You're saying, I have no time for God's will. I have no time to listen to God's commandment. I have no time to follow in the true steps that God has called. Listen, I know our music isn't what everybody likes. But I can promise you, when you grasp the concept of reckless love, when you grasp the concept of how great is our God, when you grasp the concept of desert song, it changes, it opens your mind, it opens your heart, it changes the rest of your week if you allow it. When you neglect the fellowship of other believers, 
you start to depend on those that don't believe the same way you do. And you start to make their thoughts all inclusive in your life. And then you wonder why we're raising a generation that wants nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That is a battle for people like me who's a youth pastor to keep these kids in youth ministry, to keep them in church. I do ever, we've done everything possible here at New Life. We've got a teenager running our slides. Love Lily. Top three of all time. But as her youth pastor, it's not my job, Lewis. I yelled this one time to him. It's not my job to be her parent. If I preach and then they, I won't throw you under the bus here. If they, if they go home and don't hear any reaffirmation of that, hey, Zach gave us some uh, homework this week. Get with the parents and read the Bible. I'm too busy with work. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue on the man on the moon. When you coming home, dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. That's gonna be the halls of our church. We're gonna see Columbines happen everywhere. We're gonna see suicide with teenagers jump even higher than they already are. We're gonna see our teenagers turn to cutting more and more and the physical scars of their life are gonna be left with the empty echoing sound of the fact that we could have stopped it if we took our faith seriously. But we were too busy wanting to have a freaking barbecue hamburger or a hot dog with somebody that needs Jesus Christ just as much. Or, I'm tired, Dad, I don't wanna to go to church today. I'm pretty sure shoes, socks, hammers were thrown across the room when I said that that one time. Christian, what is it gonna take for you to realize that when we walk away from the basics of our faith, people die and go to hell. Generations are lost. Instead, what we want to worry about is, oh, we traded away another, we traded away another draft class in our football team, and now we're gonna to have to spend an extra seven years rebuilding. Can't have, can't have this team on my playoff, you know, fantasy football roster because <laughs> yet we're willing to wash away an entire generation because we want to do things our way because pastor didn't implement my idea at church, so that's why I don't go anymore. That's why I've exhausted every church in Western Massachusetts. And I'm just at home now, doing life on my own. Why do these things matter? Because it's not just a request from God, it's a commandment on how to live life properly. Let's bow our heads. Dear my Father, God, I just come to you pleading, pleading that you will intercede, that we will make the decision to allow you to intercede, God, that you will allow us to empty ourselves 
God, rid of rid us, we will choose to give to you our life, full surrender, no holds barred. Let go of everything and just say, I trust you. God, maybe today somebody just needs to rip that Band-Aid off. Maybe somebody just needs to cling to the cross a little bit more. Or somebody just needs to cling to the cross. God, I pray that you will be glorified through us. <laughs> I personally and publicly want to pray that you'll bring everybody else here next week. God, and those people that watch us on Facebook, will you impress upon their heart that it's time to come home? It's time to come back. It's okay. It's going to be okay. We surrender to you, hopefully as a church, as individuals. Pray that you'll be glorified through us. In Jesus' name, amen.